and welcome to the Coach for Tutors podcast, where we grow your tutoring business with each episode. My name is Michael Gibbon, the host of the Coach for Tutors podcast and founder of Coach for Tutors. At Coach for Tutors, we work with private tutors and tutor company owners to help them launch and scale their tutoring practices. Today, we are going to be learning about secrets to teaching real-life applications and math, and we are joined by the wonderful Isabel De La Cruz. Welcome, Isabel. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. A little bit about Isabel for our listeners. Uh, Isabel De La Cruz started tutoring math math, science, and Spanish in 2014. At first, she tutored in person, but as more technology became available, she started transitioning to online tutoring. After the COVID-19 pandemic started, Isabel decided to start a YouTube channel to be a free tutoring resource to students who needed help transitioning to online school, yet their parents could not afford a tutor at the time. And today, her channel remains a free learning resource to students all over the world. And Isabel's current focus is on learning financial literacy, and Isabel has started a wonderful course for that as well. So thank you so much, Isabel. Welcome. No, thank you. Yeah, it's been great because I love to teach, obviously, and I love to provide free resources for my students because I understand that affording a tutor is not something that everybody can do, but knowledge should be available to everyone regardless of financial situation. Absolutely. For today's uh, podcast, we're talking about real life applications and math because there, there's often that unfortunate, uh, I guess, maybe a stigma that math is take these formulas, spit them out on paper, you'll get a product, the end. And it'd be great to learn from you, like from your experience, what are some uh, one or two key areas or secrets that can help with teaching from a real life, real world lens? Well, the truth is, Michael, that whether we realize it or not, we actually use math literally every day, right? We use it when we cook. We use it when we calculate how much a tank of gas costs, right? Like when we figure out what time we have to leave in order to arrive on time somewhere. Like we even use it when we're decorating, right? Like we have to figure out if something fits somewhere or how many gallons of paint I got to buy when I got to, you know, paint this room or something, but I can only paint like 400 square feet, I think it is, you know, for each gallon. So we use math every day. And what I always tell my students is that it is never, ever, ever about the formulas. Math is not formulas. Math math is logical thinking. It is critical thinking. How do I go from point A to point B? Like, what is the most efficient way to go from point A to point B? You know, and how do you find out? Um, I heard uh, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, say once, like, if I were to hire somebody, you know, I wouldn't hire somebody who knows all the facts. I will hire the person who actually figures things out because not he doesn't want like the one who knows what to think. He knows the one he wants the one who knows how to think. And I agree with him. I think that is incredibly important. And having that logical and critical thinking skills can take you like so much farther in life because it can help you solve problems anywhere, whether they're mathematical or even, shoot, even emotional ones sometimes, you know? Absolutely. And you, you touched on a great point about how math, there is a logic and analytic piece to it and not necessarily rote. What are ways that uh, tutors, what tips can they take to assist learners if they're trying to figure out that analytical and logistical piece? Well, the first thing I like to do is I like to assess what kind of learner I'm working with, right? Like, is this person a visual learner? Are they an auditory learner? Are they a kinetic learner? You know, sometimes that takes time, but I, I like to 
uh, always figure it out by maybe the third or fourth session. And if possible, or sometimes I just flat out ask them, you know, like, hey, do you know what kind of learner you are? Because this is super, super, super important. Um, because I always tell my students, like, you have to do what works for you always, right? Mm -hmm. But you first got to figure out what is it that works for you, <laughs> right? Like, is it easier for you to learn things visually? Is it easier for you to learn things by doing them, right? Or is it easier for you to learn things by listening to them, you know? So, uh, and I think also a uh, kind of side note to that is that self-awareness is such a powerful tool as a human being, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. you know, so, but that's a conversation for another podcast. No, but absolutely. Like you said, you know, having, having, um, I, I guess your pulse on each in each year's students and their needs and what they are all about can help you to really make those real world examples because you can relate to them and who they are and what they're looking for out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I do is after I figure out what kind of learner they are, I obviously would try to cater to that learning style. Right. So if I have a visual learner, I make sure that I'm drawing everything when I'm trying to explain things, you know, or I use props in the middle of a session, like nothing fancy, though. You know, like sometimes I just use my phone, like literally the other day. I use my phone as a coordinate plane. You know, I was showing yeah. one of my students how to use rotations and I use the camera as the object on the coordinate plane. And I started rotating the phone and I was like, okay, so if I rotate it 90 degrees, this is what it looks like. And if I rotate it 180 degrees, this is what it looks like. And it clicked for her because she's a visual learner, you know? Um, if I have a kinetic learner, I always have to make sure that they're taking notes because that's how their brain works, right? Like when they're actually working on it or they're, they're working on it with me, as opposed to me doing it first or them just looking at it, they have to do it. So I, I, I make sure that they're taking the notes and most importantly, that they explain it back to me, right? So I always ask them like after they're done, okay, so now explain it back to me. What did you just do? And that, you know, usually helps it uh, click for them. Um, and auditory learners, usually, I think that those are the easiest ones <laughs> because you can just tell them what to do and they're like, oh yeah, I get it. Um, but I always try to associate noises with it though. You know, like I do like spiral noises or whatever, animal noises or, you know, things like that, that will help them stick with whatever information it is that I'm giving them. Perfect, that's, exact that's exactly it. It's really about looking at the learning style of your learner and and how they focus so that you can put together the best results for them to have that success um and do you find that with your older learners maybe there's a different way they learn versus the younger learners well i mostly focus on high schoolers and adults mm -hmm. so most of my students are they're over 13 years old and honestly i think one thing that i've learned about teens which is very funny because a lot of people tell me like oh my gosh you work with teens like god, <laughs> you know god bless you and it's like no i love it because i have figured out that there is two main things to working with teens and honestly it is treat them with respect you know, treat them as if they were an adult, because even though they are not, they're starting to become one. And uh, that's how they expect to be treated, right? So just treat them with respect and help them figure things out. That's all. <laughs> that's all they want. You know, like, don't talk down on them. Don't, uh, you know, portray yourself as like, I'm the, you know, I'm the one who knows best and you don't know anything, you know, because the, then they hate that, you know, and, and that's not what they're getting ready to do, right? Like as an adult, we don't like to be talked down, 
right? Even if we don't know something. So treat them with respect. And in terms of teaching in general, though, I think the two main things that I've uh, realized with students is like always, always, always have real life examples or analogies at least, right? Like if you're talking about you know, uh, this person has 20 watermelons. Uh, why do you need 20 watermelons? <laughs> you know, unless you're a farmer, you're probably never going to hold 20 watermelons in your hand, you know, or you work at a grocery store or something like that. So try to bring it back to instead of like, if I have um, 20 pencils, you know, like this is how uh, things will work or whatever, you know. And the main thing also is to make it fun, you know, be excited about it because. Hopefully, you know, teaching math, you're teaching math because you're excited about it because you love it, you know, and just show them geek out. You know, I love to geek out with my students to nerd out with them. Like just today, one of my students, uh, she was, I, I teach chemistry as well. And she was texting me something about stoichiometry. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And she's like, you have a very weird definition of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like. I love it. You watch. It's going to be awesome. So, yeah, teach them that, you know, show them like, why is math awesome? Because the thing is, like, when they're coming to you, right, they're coming because of two reasons. They either think that math sucks, right, mm -hmm. or worse, that they suck at math, right? And the truth is that they just haven't been taught in the way that they learn, right? So it is up to us um, to give them that personalized help and to get them excited about math or at the very least build that confidence in them, you know, that it is like, listen, you're a kinetic learner. For example, I have one student of mine. She's brilliant, very, very smart kid, super mature. Um, and she's a kinetic learner. So her entire life, she's like, oh my gosh, I struggle so much with school. Like, I don't understand. It's like, because they don't cater to kinetic learners in school more, most of the time. Mm -hmm. So this is how you, you got to adapt to it. So I would, you know, give her strategies of like, you know, write things down. If you need to draw things, I don't care. She's also an artist. So I'm like, if you got to draw them, draw them. You know, like, I don't care if you write unicorns and rainbows, <laughs> you know, on my... <laughs> Oh, during our lesson, as long as it makes sense to you. That's perfect. Like you hit the nail on the head, not just the real life applications in math, but also how the learner learns. You have to merge those two, how it applies to them, but also how they learn so that they can see the full benefit of whatever they're learning, whether it's calculus or learning how to do taxes or whatever it might be. There is that applicability and also it's put together through a lens that they can see from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's things like sometimes we, they don't like, especially with science, right? That is, that is a, a big um, concern I have with um, a lot of, you know, teachers who teach science that sometimes they struggle with bringing it back to real life. One of my, um, my best biology teachers I ever had, I love the fact that when she was explaining, I'm not sure if you're going to understand what I'm about to say, <laughs> you guys, but uh um, she was explaining feedback loops inside of a cell. And all she did was talk about air conditioners. 
you know, she was like, well, this is how the thermostat works. You know, if it gets too cold, the thermos, the thermostat shuts off, you know, and when it starts getting too hot, the thermostat makes the AC turn on again. And that's exactly what your cells do. You know, like if let's say uh, glucose is in your body, you know, insulin starts getting made so that it can break down that glucose, you know, and then when there is no glucose, well, the insulin goes away, you know, kind of thing. And it was like, it was mind blowing to me because up to that point, I was actually struggling to understand how in the world does a feedback loop works? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so often taught through textbook bullet points and then, you know, go in, memorize and then regurgitate. And, and but there are those wonderful teachers that are able to take it and put it into an applicable setting that you would know and then it becomes relatable content and then your interest and motivation and it unlocks that capacity to learn it to your full potential mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. going from that like what have you noticed you know either from your own experience uh in in education or from being an educator yourself like what have you noticed in terms of the future benefits that uh, students have when once that light bulb moment happens and the applicability is there well, I think in a nutshell, um, I think it just helps us become like more high functioning adults. You know, I believe that everything is math, everything in life, like from the moment you were made, right? And that first cell had to figure out how many times you had to divide in order to form a fully functional human being, you know, to learn how to tell time, to learning how to drive, you know, like uh, speed, you know, learning speed and how much distance you have to leave between cars, you know, all the way to figuring out how much money you have to save to retire and not die broke, you know, <laughs> like everything in between is math. You know, we use math every single day. And if we're gonna be talking about, for example, ap applying it to like science and engineering, uh, forget it. I mean, it's, I always say that physics is math, you know, uh, chemistry is physics, biology is chemistry. <laughs> You know, and engineering is, you know, it goes without saying it's mostly math and it obviously depends on to the level that they they take it in in engineering as well, because some people, you know, they go all the way to calculus too and whatnot. That's a little beyond my um, area of expertise, <laughs> but I think it, it helps, as I mentioned before, not just on the day to day life, but also even emotional aspects, you know like when I choosing a partner is math, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> you know, you have to weigh out the pros and the cons. It's like, okay, so this guy has five bad traits, but if you were to score them, <laughs> you know, as opposed to, it's really what we're doing in our head, you know, like we may not necessarily visualize it that way or, or, you know, um, vocalize it that way but that's pretty much what we're doing you know when we say oh that he's not that bad so in reality what we're saying is that the score we gave to that bad trait you know is not as big as the score we gave to the good trait that he has you know that that counterbalances it and mm -hmm. and honestly that's at least that's how my brain works okay like everything <laughs> is math in my brain i literally made a list before i started dating my husband of like all the, the good things, you know, and all the bad things and about it, you know, the pros and cons. And I literally basically scored it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, he get a 95. Oh, I think perfect. He's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the, what was the past fail? Was it 80%? <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I think 75, you know. Okay, all right. Gives a little yeah. bit of wiggle room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's always room for improvement, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, and that's, and that's great that, you know, being able to have, you know, an educator such as yourself that makes it, makes it fun and makes it so multifaceted so that learners can go in whatever discipline they're deciding to do um, after secondary, whatever their post-secondary endeavor is, um, as well as real life and be able to take these skills that they would think, okay, how is that going to work in my real life? And wow, it actually does serve a purpose. And it's, it's so much more than just formulas and rote. There is, it's so many multi, it's multi-layered and ultimately so powerful for students everywhere. Yes. And I actually, I always tell my students, I hate formulas. I, I don't teach formulas. I teach them how to come up with the formula themselves. Like this is, this is why the formula exists. Now, this is kind of like the shortcut version of it. But if you are, you know, stressed out during the test or anything like that, the formula is probably going to escape you. So it's better that you understand how to come up with it so you don't have to remember the formula. You know, you have a logical path to trace like, okay, so if this is the length and this is the height, you know, okay, well, this has got to be the area, you know, and, and things like that. I actually have a whole um, playlist on a whole series on YouTube uh, on how to not memorize formulas, like how to learn volume and uh, surface area without memorizing the formulas. Oh, fantastic. And uh, actually, we're going to ask about that. Um, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so basically anything attached to Isabel Explains. So whether it's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, I think I have a Twitter account somewhere. <laughs> um, YouTube is all Isabel Explains. So you can find me, Isabel is I-S-A-B-E-L explains and I you can find me everywhere all right and wonderful and those links are available down below for our listeners well Isabel thank you so much for taking time to be here today thank you so much for having me this is uh, Michael Gibbon of the coach for tutors podcast as always make it a great day mm-hmm.